good to see everyone today and special to, to see each one in such a good frame of mind. In seminary, as they taught us about preparing messages and there are different ways, different, you have topical sermons, you have, um, you have sermons where you exegete the passage, you go verse by verse through a book, and I've done a lot of that in our time here. We've gone through Philippians a couple of times, and Ephesians, and Galatians, and a lot of um, the children of Israel um, going into the promised land, Kadesh Barnea, and the spies. I love all that. But one thing that they said you could do, like for a title, and, and as Pastor Joe mentioned last week, it's not always easy to come up with a title. So, um, but, but one way is to ask a question and then in the message try to answer it. So, I'm going to ask the question for the title. And the question is, is pain and suffering a part of the Christian life? Is pain and suffering a part of the Christian life? And I'm going to answer that in the message uh, as we, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper also. So the, the message is not going to be a full-blown you know, 45-minute message, it'll be a little bit shorter, so we'll have time for the Lord's Supper. But this is my personal opinion, just an opinion, and it's however, you know, you want to agree or disagree, it's fine. But my personal opinion is why the prosperity gospel seems to be so uh, popular is because I think and I've not listened to a whole lot of prosperity gospel messages, <clears throat> but I think part of the reason is the fact that they leave out they leave out so much of the pain and suffering. Um, now they do preach a lot about overcoming and 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 all of that, and that's that's good. But I think I think the reality that they leave out, at least I've not heard much from the little limited that I've heard, uh, I've just not heard much or really any about the fact that Christians are going to suffer some pain and Christians are going to have some heartache and Christians are going to uh, suffer. And that doesn't mean that you know, the moment you get saved, that's all it's going to be. But you just need, it's, it's wrong for us not prepare you for some level. And I think just like some, um, uh, you know, there'd be different numbers as far as souls. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I think the same is about suffering in a lot of ways. Not everybody's going to suffer to the same degree. 
But I do think that we're all called to suffer some. It is normal then for us as humans, even though we're born again and we're, we love the Lord Jesus, we believe in Him and we've been saved, it is normal to want to overlook this topic. It's normal to say, I don't want to come, you know, drive an hour to come here and be told that I'm going to be in some pain this next week. I don't want to hear that. I want something that's more palatable. I want something that's easy listening. I just, the Lord gave me this thought. And, you know, we've all heard great sermons on brokenness. I hope you have. Because brokenness and suffering go hand in hand. That's all part of it. But I believe, I just jotted this little note down on the, in the side of my notes. Brokenness builds dependence on God. Brokenness builds dependence on God. You see, my nature is to be independent of God. My nature is to be independent. I, I want my way. I want what pleases me. I, want, I can figure it out better. You know, and you've all heard this. God is always there when I need him. That, that is kind of saying like, well, he's over in the corner and I'll take care. As Dr. Benjamin, so he does so well. You know, I'll handle it from here. God, I'll handle it from here, you know, and then when I need you, and then I'll call upon you. Well, I love my wife's prayer, Lord, keep us needy. That's, that's the, ought to be our attitude. There ought not be a moment in the week that we feel like I can make it on my own. And so that's the whole, that, this idea of being conformed, and I, wanna, I want you to go back to the verse in Romans 8, 28. I know we go there a lot, but I just want to, I want you to, the scripture is where we get the basis for everything that we're doing. Look back at Romans 8, 28, and I want to, I, I spent a lot of time, last time we went there on God working all things together for our good. But I want us to today think about the idea of being conformed. So verse 28, and we know, that is a word of confidence. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now then verse 29 is, this is the, the part we're going to talk about today. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You, if you do a really thorough research of the word conformed, you'll find out that the word conformed is taking on the character of Jesus Christ. And listen, we are so unlike Jesus Christ and God, the moment we are saved, he is in, he starts this process of conforming us. Now, a lot of people don't talk about it. They don't, you know, just get saved and everything's going to be grand and glorious. And, you know, and God will always be there if you need him or when you need him. 
But we need to understand that God starts this process of conforming. I've always viewed it as a chipping away of my humanity and everything that is not Christ-like. And he chips away and chips away and chips away and peels back. And, and he is a, he's in the process of making us more in the image of Jesus Christ as we go through life. Now, we again, I just want to say again, I know that we don't care for those kind of sermons so much because it's just, I, I like something that's uplifting and uh, about love, the love of God. Well, I tell you, I think being conformed to the image of Christ is a demonstration of love of God. So it is absolutely imperative that we try our best to understand what God is up to in our lives. Because if we are just bulldozing our way through life and we have all these things occurring and we don't understand that it's all about God conforming me and making me more like Jesus Christ and I don't, I don't understand it, I don't get it, then there I run the risk of becoming bitter. And folks, in, in our ministry, as we've been in the ministry a long time now, we've seen some very bitter Christian people. And you run the risk of not just being bitter, but you can become lukewarm. And we've seen some lukewarm people, Christians, just lukewarm, just not hot or cold, but lukewarm I've seen some Christians that are just weary. They're just weary of life. They're weary of a struggle. I had one man, a dear friend of mine, a dear friend of mine. His wife was dishonest and she kept buying things behind his back. And he kept trying to bring everybody together as a family. And they just were resisting his leadership and... She kept buying things behind his back, wouldn't tell him, and then he'd find it or find out, and then it was always, you know, why did you do this? Why didn't you talk to me about it? She was so deceptive. And one day I heard him say this. He said, I'm just tired of the fight. I'm just giving up. I'm just tired of the fight. So we can become weary. That's, that's possible. Someone here, someone listening could become weary of doing the right thing, trying to live for the Lord, and, and it just doesn't seem to be working out so well, and you can become weary. And then bitterness, lukewarm, get weary. Then it starts affecting your desire to be with other Christians, and you become absent from the assembly. Very dangerous. You know, there was a bumper sticker. Y'all help me. I, can't, I couldn't remember the exact, but I, got, I think I've got the gist of it. This was years ago. I think the bumper sticker said something like, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. it, it am I right? Is that pretty close? God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. And then there was a comeback to that. It says, God said it, 
And it's a fact no matter whether you believe it or not. You know, God said it. God's already declared it. So, so I mean, you know, if, if I believe it, okay. If I don't believe it, it's okay. It, it, so let me just say in relationship to that, you can say, well, I like or don't like this idea of being conformed. Like it or not, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're going down that road of being conformed to the image of Christ. You can count on it. You can count on it. And whatever it takes for God to chip away, whatever it takes for God to chip away at my humanity, he will use whatever is necessary. And that's where you look back and say, all things work together for good. So being conformed to the image of Christ is a fact. I can try to reword it. I can try to change it. I can even doubt it. I can ignore it. But no matter what, if you accepted Jesus and you gave your heart and life to him, you're going down that road of being conformed to the image of Christ. The Bible declares then, and I'm going to show you some verses, that this is basically like two points. Okay, that's introduction. Two points. First point is that some of our suffering is due to our own sin and failure. That's the first point. Some of our suffering, and I'll show you in Scripture, some of our suffering is due to our own sin and failure, our own faults. In other words, we bring some things on ourselves. Let me just, uh, before we get to the scriptures, in the, and we're going to go to First uh, Peter. If you would go to First Peter, chapter two. We're going. I'm. Doing, I've got several verses, just like one verse at a time. But let me give you a couple of examples of sins, and then we'll look at some scripture. I can go to prison for my crimes. Something I brought on myself, possibly. I could be in deep debt. My credit score can drop. I can even lose my house. If I can't learn to control my spending appetite. We can have health issues. Not all, and again, this is not all conclusive. But we can have health issues. We can be obese. Because we can't control our appetite for food and cookies and fudge and bluebell and all these different things. So some, so you say, I'm, I'm suffering for Christ. I'm, I'm, this is part of the pain and suffering. Well, 
Yes, and all things do work together for good. That's a fact. But some of the things that we do, we bring on ourselves. So let me just show you a couple of scriptures here. Uh, let's start with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. And if you've got your Bible, it would be really good to look at that with me. For what glory is it if when ye are buffeted for your faults? Okay, I just said that some of the things that we do, we bring on ourselves. So for what glory is it? Does it glorify God? What glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? You're an example of taking, you're just taking the pain that you're, you're taking it. But if when you do well, so there's a break, there's a break here when you're buffeted for your faults or when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. So it, you just have to really get into that verse and understand what it's saying. For what glory is it if when you're buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. In other words, you, you brought this on yourself. You've committed some sin or some act and you, you are buffeted. You have a, an issue and you take it patiently. But if when you do well, and you suffer for it, and you take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. Now, look at chapter 4 of the same book. Verse 15. But let none of you suffer. Now, we're looking at the, the suffering that we bring on ourselves. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Isn't that amazing that you find these all lumped together? But let none of you suffer. We're talking about suffering and pain. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now, Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So there, is, there we do face chastening from a loving Heavenly Father when we sin or go against His will, and he decides to take us to the woodshed. So we have, we have suffering for our faults, suffering as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. Or we have suffering, chastisement, when we disobey God, when we go against God's will. So the truth is some pain and suffering that we have in our lives, some of it, or sin, whatever, 
is our, is our fault and we bring it on ourselves. It, we are suffering for our own consequences. And I believe, I mean, to me, this isn't even up for debate in Scripture. It is just so absolutely clear. I mean, it, it, it doesn't even seem like it would be worthy of somebody taking the opposite side. No, I don't see that. I just, it's just so clear. That we, we can suffer pain and consequences for things that we do that are contrary to the will of God, sin and disobedience to God. So as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, this is an opportunity to examine ourselves and you say, I'm going through this terrible thing and I really believe, I really believe this. There are times that God doesn't always reveal, but I believe if it's something that needs to be changed in our hearts and lives, I believe God, if you ask Him, I believe He'll show you. If you are having suffering and pain because of your own consequences to your sin and your failure to be obedient, ask God to reveal it to you. And right before the Lord's Supper should be a wonderful time. It'd be a wonderful time to ask him, Lord, what is it that I'm doing or not doing that you are bringing chastisement in my life? And again, you've heard me say this almost every Lord's Supper here lately. Don't be guilty of trying to blame others for something that's coming your way. And don't try to figure out what's wrong in somebody else's life. I tell people all the time, I've got enough to keep up with my life. I, I don't have time. But pray for them. Pray for each other. Sincerely pray for each other. I, I, this, I mentioned prayer I just have to tell you, Dick Bauckham sent another text yesterday, and I can't wait for those of you that don't know him for, for him to come and, and for you to meet him. But he sent a, a text on enduring prayer, basically would be the topic, enduring prayer. And he said that uh, Howard, Dr. Howard Hendricks, a professor, uh, came to his class and said, well, just wanted to give you some good news. Yesterday, my 75-year-old father um, accepted Christ. And he said, probably that's not a big deal to you unless you hear the fact that I've been praying for my father for 40 years. <laughs> I've been praying. So, so the point is, Pray for folks that are lost. Pray for them to come to Christ. And don't give up if they don't respond the first five years or the first 10 years or the first 20 years. Mr. Maples is a perfect example. You've heard me tell it so many times, and I won't, I won't rehash the whole thing, but it was so special. Here's this good man. Everybody liked him. He loved to play golf on Sunday. So he's playing golf on Sunday. And we had prayer meetings and, and the ladies were praying in the, in the little building that was out here, prayer, the prayer chapel. And 
they prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And Lynn and I heard his mother-in-law, she was 103 or 104, 102 when she passed away. We heard her. We'd be on our knees. We could hear her praying. And, and at over 100 years old, she was praying for her son-in-law to get saved. And one day, in his 80s, he got saved. And boy, I tell you what, that was a hallelujah moment at this church. There were a bunch of people, a bunch of skeptics. A bunch of skeptics kind of got encouraged that day. And you know what? He stopped playing golf on Sunday for the most part. Occasionally, he'd backslide and go play a game. But he was, he was back to here on Sunday all of a sudden, and nobody had to tell him. So don't, when you pray for others, pray for each other. Don't give up. Don't think it's a useless cause. Pray for others. But pray for yourselves. There's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. Let me show you a verse in 1 Peter 3, 17. Another verse that just kind of reinforces what we're talking about. 3, 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Okay, you got it? For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. That's the whole point of this message. The first point is some of the suffering that we suffer is we bring it about on ourselves. Now the second point of this message is that we some of the suffering and pain that we uh, are a part of is part of being conformed to the image of Christ. It's part of the Christian life. So, chapter 4 of First Peter, I'll just pick up reading here in verse 12, and I, we've talked about this strange thing, this fiery trial. We've talked about that before. We're not going to go back into that so much, but I just thought for the context, we could begin here in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange. Now this is, this is, we're not talking about consequences now. We're talking about things that God is allowing to come into our life to conform us to the image of Christ. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice and that's an important ingredient in the whole process that you not lose sight of the fact that we're to rejoice in all things but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy if you be reproached for the name of Christ happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. You see that? Just so, so encouraging. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. 
Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So, it's very, very essential that we understand the process. That we understand what God is doing. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 again. And I just want to read this again because it really, it really emphasizes what we're trying to say. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Verse 19, if that's not highlighted in your Bible, it ought to be. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Suffering for something that is not your fault. It could be a false accusation. It's not because of consequences. It's not deserved. It shouldn't have happened. It seems so unfair. But God in His sovereignty, and we will find out in heaven, but God in His sovereignty allowed it. And we have to accept the fact that God is in control and He gives His nod from time to time to things that are unpleasant to us and it shouldn't have happened. We didn't deserve it, but He let it happen. So, someone might say, Preacher, are you telling me that a loving God will allow things to come into my life that hurts me, that is painful, that I didn't deserve to get, and it's come my way, and I will have to say, based on the Word of God, yes, God has allowed it. Now, I want you to hear this. It's sad to say that much of our pain in the ministry that we've experienced for 46 years much of the pain and suffering and hurt apart from physical things and stuff, but just things happening, being said, have come from other Christians, not from lost people. I want you to think about that. In the ministry, 46 years, and I can assure you that the accusations or the criticisms that we've had far outweigh on the one side coming from Christians and not the lost that are out there at the gas station, grocery store, places that you go. In fact, in many times, you, you have, they have a real admiration for you. But it, break, it breaks our heart to know that fact does exist. So what glory is it if you're buffeted for your faults? What glory is it when you're buffeted for your faults? When you're buffeted, 
for your faults, yea, shall it, and you take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. In other words, this brings honor. You want to honor God with your life? Respond patiently to the wrongs that come your way. Now, in my Thompson chain, and I love this, there's a section. It's 41. I'm not going to go to it because you could preach a whole sermon. It's, the section is 4137. And it's, the title of it is Christ Defamed. And you'll see in there that he was falsely accused. Witnesses lied. They had, he was accused of keeping bad company. He was accused of gluttony. He was accused of blasphemy. He was in, uh, uh, accused of insanity. This is Jesus, the perfect son of God, <laughs> accused of insanity. They even said he was possessed by the devils. He was accused of treason. This is God's son. This is God's son. There are so many scriptures, if we took the time and we went to all the scriptures, through the trials, through all the things, the, the, the religious of his day, the, the things they said, it's the idea of suffering for righteousness. Let me give you one you haven't heard maybe in a while, but most of you probably haven't memorized. And this is, this is important that we understand that we get a... a Get a grip on this. Get a grasp. Matthew 5.11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. I love the passage in Acts 5.41 where the disciples had been arrested and in prison and they were released. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. They were rejoicing that God chose me. God allowed me to be imprisoned wrongfully for my faith. And He chose me to suffer shame for His name. That's the right attitude. That's the right attitude. So Christ is our example of suffering wrongfully. Look at, again, back to 2.21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. Don't leave this part out. Leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Let me read it again. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, 
leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. And then the passage that I just love, and you've heard probably I've preached, preached it as much as just about any, is Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I'm sorry, actually it's chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Let's back up to verse 7 and read through here. But what things were gained to me, this is Apostle Paul, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I counted all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I almost preached a message, Brother Aaron, on the cost of discipleship and, you know, just basically it looks like you don't love your family as much as you love Christ and houses and land and all the different things to follow him. So that maybe, maybe another day. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that, that which is through faith, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now verse 10, that I may know him, that I may know him. And we, we had a whole one year. We said that's going to be our theme for the year. That we might know Christ better by the end of the year. That I may know him and the power. We need to know his power of his resurrection. That power that resides, that raised Christ from the dead. Resides in each one of us. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The scriptures are very, very clear. I do believe the question was asked, is pain and suffering part of the Christian life? I do believe that pain and suffering is a part of the Christian life. I believe at different levels, just like our trials are different, struggles are different. I think we suffer at different levels, but we're all, I think, because we're being conformed to the image of Christ, we're all going to suffer some pain and some heartache and some hurt in the Christian life. And God, in his sovereignty, allows it to come. We can't lose sight of that. And when we watch and when we see certain ones, I won't name names, but I think, I'm thinking of my sister and my brother-in-law so much, even as I prepare this message. You would think West Nile and being on a ventilator for two weeks, wondering if you're going to live or die, you would think, and then come back on the other side of that 
you would think that would be enough trials for one person, one family. And now it just has continued with COVID and the blood infection and the fall or the fall first and then all the other. And you just, and it, I, I'm in constant co communication with my sister. And I'm telling you, you think, how much more, Lord? How much more can one couple endure? It's so much. It's so much. And when God takes you through this process of suffering for righteousness, suffering wrongfully, you didn't deserve it. You didn't, it's not a consequence to your sin. God in his sovereignty has chosen to allow certain things to come. Be careful of bitterness. Be careful that you lose your rejoicing and your grateful heart. Be careful that you don't thank him. I mean, we ought to be focusing on what we're thanking him for and rejoicing for. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Just remember, God writes the final chapter. Remember, he's conforming each of us, you and me, all of us, into the very image of his son. And we can trust him. Because he never, ever, it's hard as it is for me to comprehend, hard as it to understand, he never makes any mistakes. He's in complete control, even though it seems like our world is out of control. But Christ suffered for our sins, and our words are not adequate to describe the pain that he went through. We can't, there's no way, you can't. I mean, we read the scriptures and we try to say, this is what it's saying. We, our words are not adequate to describe the pain that Jesus felt for my sin, that we're about to be remembered. Remember his death. And it's natural, very natural, as the Apostle Paul said, Take it away. It's natural to want the pain to go away. But if you believe anything in the word of God, I hope you'll remember these words and believe them. My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. So as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, I ask you, I ask you and I ask all of us to allow our loving Father to wrap his arms around us and hold us tight with his grace, with mercy, with his unconditional love, because he knows what he's doing. It may seem like things are out of control, but he is in complete, complete charge. And we just need to come to the place, humbly trust him and submit to him and leave results up to him. He is very capable of managing his business. If you've never accepted Christ today, you really, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today could be the greatest day of your life. By faith, you could believe on him and come to him in salvation. The Lord Jesus. So let's spend some time in prayer. We'll have our invitation and we'll have our Lord's Supper. So let's pray.
Father, we thank you now for the word. It's not an easy message to think about suffering for our consequences and then suffering for when we really hadn't done anything. But I pray, Father, that you would do a great work in our hearts and lives and revive us. Help us to get revived over you, excited over you, and get our minds off of stuff that really doesn't matter, doesn't count. Help us to be focused on you and to trust you in the middle of the storm to know that you're there, that you permitted it, and that we can trust you, our loving Heavenly Father, to work all things together for our good, knowing that you're conforming us. You're just chipping away at our humanity. The things that are unchristlike, you're just chipping away. Shaping us into the very image and character of your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for helping us to have just a little glimpse of the fellowship of his sufferings. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, let's... Um, Let's sing our hymn of invitation, and then we'll have our Lord's Supper. Let's stand together and take out our bulletins, and we'll sing hymn number 362, No One Ever Cared for Me Like Jesus. <laughs> 